Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's awesome. That's why you're here today. It's all for Jesus. And uh, let's talk to Jesus right now as we open up his amazing word that he wrote. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to praise you today. Thank you that you are the name above all names. You're awesome. And you promised where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst, and you're right here, right now. This is all for you, Jesus. Thank you for your word and how it teaches us. And we pray that our hearts would be ready to receive it, Lord. We love you so much. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're in a series entitled Questions by Jesus and going over some of the questions he asked. The first one was, who do you say that I am? The most important question you'll ever have to answer in your life. Who do you say Jesus is? We talked about that. Then we talked about, do you want to be healed? Do you want Jesus to come into your life and change you? And our answer is emphatically yes. Here's the next question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Great question, right? Why do you call me Lord and don't do what I tell you? The next one was this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The question that Jesus asked on the cross when he became sin for us. The core message of the Bible is this. Jesus took your sin on the cross. He paid the price. But you have to believe it. Like the question he asked Martha when he raised Lazarus from the dead. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die. And he turned to Martha and said, Do you believe this? The answer would change her eternity. Last week we talked about this. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not see the plank that's in your own eye? You don't notice the plank in your own eye. That we ought to look at our own lives and see the changes that we need to make as we help those around us. Today's question is this. It's a very simple question. Where are the nine? Anybody know where that question is from? The ten lepers, exactly. When Jesus healed the ten lepers, one came back, and Jesus asked the question, where are the other nine? The bottom line of our talk today is this. Being a thankful person is essential in following God and overcoming the negative negativity and discontented attitudes that are so prevalent in this world. If you're like me, you run into this all the time. Discontented, negative people. And it begins to impact you, right? All the negativity in the world today. But Jesus wants us to rise above that and be thankful people. Thanks living is how I'm calling it today is how we can best represent Jesus Christ and the reality of him in our lives. See, as believers in Jesus Christ, we follow him. We want to represent him well. How can we do that? One of the best ways is to be thankful people, people that have an attitude of gratitude. So what I want you to do, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. If you don't have your Bibles, there should be one nearby page 876 in your chair Bibles. We're going to read about Jesus healing the 10 lepers. He already healed a leper in Luke chapter 5. He encountered a leper and he touched the leper and the leper was healed. Jesus would do it differently this time. He didn't touch the lepers, but they were healed. Let's read about it. Verse 11 of Luke 17. On the way to Jerusalem, 
He was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. As you know, they're like two counties in the nation of Israel, Samaria in the middle, Galilee in the north. He was right in the middle passing along, and he entered a village. He was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. That's what they were required to do, by the way. According to the law of that day, lepers, because of their contagious disease that they had, would stand at a distance, and they would yell, unclean! unclean because obviously they didn't want any other people to catch this very contagious disease but by the way leprosy in the bible can often refer to other skin diseases that existed during that time and they would be included with those who have leprosy or what we know today as Hansen's disease where the nerves would become deadened and ultimately for many it would lead to death that's what these 10 folks had something like that when they saw Jesus at a distance, they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now that was required in the Old Testament. If you were healed, and there were those who overcame leprosy, if they did, they'd have to go to the priest. For the priest to acknowledge that, allow them back into the community and make a sacrifice for them. But that wouldn't make sense if they still had leprosy, which they did. Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priest. They probably thought, well, but we're still lepers. We're, we're not changed. But they obeyed Jesus and did what he said. They started to go towards the priest, to Jerusalem. And as they were traveling, they were cleansed. Look what it says in the passage. As they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a what? Samaritan. As you know, Samaritans were the people that Jews loved to hate. They were people that had been placed into Israel about 700 B.C. after Assyria destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel, and they replaced all the Jews with people from other countries. That evolved into the group known as the Samaritans. The Jews hated them. But this one Samaritan leper who'd been healed comes back, fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. He was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith, right? Your faith has made you well. Here's the first thing I want to highlight from this passage. It's this. Thanks living, is what I want to call it, is a natural byproduct of our spiritual healing. Now, what happened to the lepers was huge. They were healed of this very contagious, sometimes very deadly disease. Jesus healed them. But the parallel is very clear. Jesus is talking, and the Bible is talking more than just about leprosy. Let me tell you a little bit about leprosy. In the Old Testament, in Leviticus 13, it gives instructions to the Jews about recognizing and diagnosing leprosy. Not just Hansen's disease, but other diseases as well. God instructed in his word 21 times that a person with leprosy was declared unclean. They were to be removed from the rest of society to protect others 
Lepers were to be isolated, garments washed or burned if necessary, and sent to live alone outside the camp if he or she were not healed. But as we read this passage, I want all of us to say, how does it apply to me? What's the parallel that I can see in my life? Leprosy, yes, terrible. But there's a greater parallel to our lives for us to see. And the parallel is this. When you came to meet Jesus Christ, he changed you. You realize that the cross was an amazing place of victory, that Jesus Christ, the creator God of the universe, humbled himself as a little baby in Bethlehem. Why? To be exactly what he said he would be, the Lamb of God, the sacrifice of God, who would take away my sin. I've sinned against God. I've disobeyed him. And yours, when you place your faith and trust in him. And God does an amazing healing work in our lives. When we place our faith and trust in him, our sins are nailed to the cross with Christ. God says we are forgiven. We're given the free gift of eternal life. We're adopted into the family of God. And we understand exactly what the cross is all about. So the parallel is so clear. We should see ourselves as these lepers were, unclean before God and men. That our sin separates us from God. Our sin causes problems in our relationships with others. Paul talks about how so often we don't give thanks to God for the amazing work that he has done. Instead of being the one leper that returned and fell at Jesus' feet and gave thanks, we're often like the nine who forget and ignore God's amazing blessings in our lives. Paul writes this in Romans 1. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. They refused to acknowledge the many blessings of God all around us and I know that's true of my life, and maybe it's true of yours. I, I, I talked about last week that date night that I had with my wife. You know, we were in Germany uh, for a couple weeks, and we were with the kids the whole time, and, and we never were alone, right? We were always with the kids. So finally, when we got home, I said to Barbara, man, we got to have a date night. We got to go out. So we went out to this restaurant, little restaurant. I think I told you, sat down at this little table, and next to us, a young man in his 20s sat down all by himself, and we struck up a conversation with him. Barbara and I ordered a salad that we were going to share together, and uh, while I was waiting, began to talk to this young man who had moved from Ohio to California to start a business. We started to talk about our faith. And I asked him what he believed, and I think you remember, he said, well, I take a little bit of this, I take a little bit of that religion, I take a little bit of this, and I kind of have my own religion, and I talked to him about the authority of Jesus Christ who died and rose again, that you can create whatever religion you want, but it doesn't come close to the authority that Jesus has, because he died and rose again, proving that he truly does have power over death. He goes, oh, yeah, I get that. And I said, you know, another thing is to see God all around you. And we've talked about that quite a bit. In fact, we did a series a number of years ago on the scientific evidence all around us for God. And I said these words to him. How sad for the atheist who sees a beautiful sunset. Now, we've all seen beautiful sunsets, amen? Who sees a beautiful sunset and has no one to what? To thank. No one to thank. 
My hope would be every one of you who sees a beautiful sunset or God's beautiful creation all around us would say, God, wow, you are awesome. No one to thank. And we talked some more, and by then, the salad had already come. I was talking, I, said, I finally said to him, Listen, I came out here with my wife, I should probably talk to her because this is our one date night. He goes, yeah, man, you got to. Yeah, and, and I look back, and the salad that we had ordered was gone. My wife had eaten the whole salad. I'm like, where's the salad? She said, I ate it all when you were talking to this guy. She said, you wouldn't have liked it anyway. It was spicy. I'm like, yeah, right. Totally gone. Thanks, Barbara. But how sad when we can't acknowledge God and his many blessings all around us. We get caught up in the negativity, the grumbling, the complaining of this world. And most of all, just to be thankful for what God has done in our lives. Paul in Romans chapter 7, a famous chapter in the New Testament, he writes this, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who's going to save me? From this life of rebellion against God, I've lived my own life. His answer was in the next line, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And my hope and prayer would be that every time we come into this church, that our hearts would be lifted up in gratitude. Yes, there are dreams in our lives that haven't been met. Yes, there are struggles that we're facing. Some of you are facing life-threatening illnesses even in our church. Yes, those are struggles. But down deep in our, in our lives, in our hearts, we know that Jesus' words are true, that he never leaves us, he never forsakes us. His promise that if I go, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. The same God that created 400 billion galaxies is the God that promises he will take you to himself. See, our hope is in Jesus Christ and our relationship with him. And if everything else was stripped away from your life and you lost everything, thing but you still had Jesus you still had your relationship with him you are far more blessed than you ever deserved you have this amazing relationship with God far more blessed than we can imagine and so often we get caught up in this attitude of I don't have this and I don't have that and God I wish you would run my life the way I want it to be run instead of being thankful to God I remember when I was in high school there was this movement to change the words of a famous hymn what's the most famous hymn in the Christian church anybody know Amazing Grace, right, yeah. If you're with Christians and you don't have the words to any song, you know you can always sing Amazing Grace. Everybody knows the words, right? Well, there was a movement when I was in high school, I remember this, where they wanted to change the words of Amazing Grace. They didn't like one of the words. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a what? Wretch. Nobody likes that word. Don't Wait, wait a minute, don't call me a wretch. Don't say that. Paul said it about himself, right? Wretched man that I am. Why? Because he was very aware of how far he fell short from what God's wanted to see in his life. So they were singing, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saves someone like me. Dropping the word wretch. But you know, there's something really healthy about seeing how hopeless we are without God. How awesome God is 
this God that dwells in unapproachable light, yet loves us so much that he gave the very best that he had. He gave his only son to be the Lamb of God for you and for me, to make a way that by faith in him, we are forgiven. Like we sang this morning, that God gives us the righteousness of his son. We're not righteous in ourselves. But the moment we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, our sins are nailed to the cross with Christ, and we are given the holiness of Christ, his righteousness given to us, and it sets us free. Psalm 92 says this, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. Do you do that? Do you thank God for the relationship you have with him? When you come to church every Sunday, are you able to put aside all the grumbling and complaining around you and focus on this amazing God that loved you all the way to the cross? To be thankful for that. Like the one leper who fell on his feet before Jesus. You might say, oh, I'm not falling on my feet before anybody. See, what comes in the way of thankfulness is pride. We want to think that we accomplished everything that we have in our lives. We've earned it. What did God have to do with it? By the way, if you understand anything about life and God being the giver of life, every breath you take, every step you make is given to you by the grace of God. So there's not much we can accomplish if we can't breathe or take a step. Everything, every good gift, the Bible says, is from God. It's from Him. He's an awesome God. I love what Philippians 3 says, Indeed, I count everything Paul was writing as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. You know, Paul went through this amazing transformation. He was persecuting the church, then encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus as Jesus spoke out of heaven, did a 180. And he said, all these things that I accomplished in my life that I thought were so important, I realized they were keeping me from knowing Jesus. And now I see all those things that were so valuable to me as garbage, as garbage. And I get it. The things of this world can be very appealing. But if they keep you from knowing Jesus, it's all garbage compared to the value of knowing Jesus and having a relationship with him, of really knowing him. The Greek word here for know in this text is the Greek word gnosis. And the Greek has two words for knowing. One is oida. Oida is a knowledge of something that you know about, but you've never experienced it. For example, my daughter sitting right here. She went skydiving on her 18th birthday. And I I was like, oh, man, you're 18. Don't do it. But she did it anyway. She disobeyed her dad and did it anyway. No, I was was okay with it. But afterwards, she was like, oh, man, this is so great. I loved it. And she told me all about it. And my daughter told me about skydiving, but I had never experienced it. So I had an oida knowledge of skydiving. But my daughter... She has a gnosis knowledge of skydiving. She actually jumped out of a plane and experienced it. See, that's the kind of knowledge we should all have with Jesus. 
the experience of knowing him and walking with him, knowing that he is with you every step of the way. And the greatest possession of your life is not your house or your car or your money in your bank account. The greatest thing in your life is your relationship with Jesus Christ. See, this uh, leper came back and fell on his face because Jesus had changed him. The parallel is amazing. Uh, uh, as we think about leprosy, Jesus said to, to the leper, were there not ten, where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Jesus certainly expected the other nine to give thanks. I, I put a little circle on the screen, a little circle that represents the problem of leprosy. It's a big problem. It changes people's lives. They're sent off and ostracized. But compared to the problem that we have of our sin and our rebellion against God, and yet God making a way by sending his son and by faith in him, you're forgiven. What God has done in our lives by giving us eternal life solved a much, much, much bigger problem. And if the leper can fall on his face for being healed of leprosy, how much more should we be willing to fall before the Lord and say, Jesus, thank you. You love me all the way to the cross. You love me all the way to the cross. That's exactly what he did. So my prayer would be that every Sunday that we come, that we would be ready to worship Jesus Christ together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we leave to see God's blessings and all the things that he has done for us all around us, yes, life is imperfect. Yes, this world is imperfect because our world is still in rebellion against God. But to count those blessings that God has given to us, in Romans chapter 6, Paul writes this, thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart. Isn't it nice to be obedient from the heart? No one's forcing you to be like Jesus. You're like, man, I love Jesus. He died on the cross for me. Lord, I want to be like you. No one has to force me to do it. Out of love for Jesus, I want to be just like him. Paul refers to that as being a slave of righteousness. You've been set free from sin. One author put it this way. God works his salvation in a person's innermost being changing the heart of every sinner who places their trust in Christ's finished work on Calvary. Now, in a believer, obedience is not forced or legalistic, but it's willing. You follow Jesus from your hearts because you want to, because you love him, because this God that created you and stamped his image upon you died in your place, paid the price for your sins, and your faith has received that. There's a freedom of being a slave from your heart. I played college basketball. And you can imagine how difficult it would be to play college basketball if I decided that somehow the rules stated that I needed to tie my shoes together. And I tied my shoes together, and I'm running around the court like this the whole time trying to play basketball. That would be ridiculous. You would pull me to the side and say, Mel, the rules are very clear. You don't have to tie your shoes together. You can untie your shoes. And, and if I was only dribbling with one hand on the basketball court, that would be very difficult to play until someone says to me, Mel, the rules say this. You can dribble with both hands. 
how incredibly freeing that would be to untie my shoes, to dribble with both hands. People have said to me, how can rules be freeing? How can following God be freeing? Because your whole life without him, you're running around with your two shoes tied together, you're dribbling with one hand, and when you find out about God's plan, you realize that his plan for your life frees you up to live exactly as he wanted you to, to live an abundant life, to get the most out of the relationships he's given to you. And so often people get caught up in two errors, legalism or license. Both are wrong. Legalism says this, my righteousness is obeying man-made rules. So that when I stand before God, I'm going to tell God, I earned my way to heaven. I did all these good things. When the Bible is really clear, you can't earn it. If you stood before God today and he said, why should I let you into heaven? And, he sa- and you would say to him, because I was a good person, I earned it. You would be making a statement totally contrary to everything taught in the Word of God. What the Word of God says, and we sing about it, right? It's that amazing hymn that we sing, Amazing Grace. Grace is getting something we don't deserve, and God gives us that through Jesus Christ. But legalism says, i got to earn my way by following all these man-made rules like the Pharisees. Jesus confronted them all the time about their error and overemphasis on outward appearance and how I look to man. God speaks against that. Spiritually evaluated by externals, not where your heart is at. We all know God looks into our hearts and sees where our hearts are. Legalism says it's all about externals, following man-made rules, and that's wrong. They're condemning of others who don't follow those same man-made rules. On the other side is another error called license. License basically says, hey, I'm not concerned about following God's commands. I'm I'm just going to do my own thing. If God is so forgiving, I'll sin all the more. I'll disobey him all the more to experience God's forgiveness. Paul speaks against that error. He said, how can you who died to sin still live in it? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? May it never be. May we never have that attitude and overemphasis on grace. No concern about the appearance of evil or changing your lives in accordance with Jesus or taking a stand against things that are spoken against in the Word of God. See, we become Christians, we decide to follow Jesus. There's a love for Him in your heart and you do it willingly. And here at Riverview, our desire is to experience the freedom found in being like Christ. The freedom found of untying your shoes and dribbling with both hands. To be like Him. The freedom found in obeying Jesus. The freedom found in being a slave to righteousness, like it says in Romans 6. The freedom found of being dead to all the requirements of the Word. We're not, we're not judged by that. We've been given forgiveness. That's what Paul says in Romans 7. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who's been raised from the dead. You're dead to the law. It has no case against you. If you're dead to the law, there's no case against you. Your debt has been paid in full. If I paid off your mortgage... Would you keep on making payments? No, that would be ridiculous. Uh, We sang about it today. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. My sin debt has been paid in full. We've been forgiven. Here's the second thing. 
Thanks living includes a comprehensive outworking of our attitude of gratitude. Hey, if you understand what God's done for you, you become a thankful person. Husbands, I want to ask you, do you thank your wives? Are you a thankful person that flows out into every relationship in your life? Wives, do you thank your husbands? Well, he's not perfect. No one is. But are you thankful for the things that he does, wives? Husbands, are you thankful for what your wives do and do you tell them that? Are you thankful for what is happening in the life of your kids? Do you highlight the spiritual changes that God is making in their lives? My uh, 13-year-old son went off to camp to Yume Lake. And uh, we have been encouraging him to get baptized at some point. He's made a decision for Christ, but he never was ready. He wasn't ready to be baptized. And so uh, we were going to send him to Hume Lake, and he wanted to go. He's, he loves that camp. And then we found out that a group was going from the church my daughter works at. My daughter works full-time on staff at the Calvary Chapel in Carlsbad. So he joined in with them, went up to Hume Lake, and apparently he was having a great time. And we got a call. My wife received it, and it was Brady. And Brady said, hey, can I be baptized? And Barbara texted me and said, hey, can Brady be baptized? And I'm like, yeah, when he gets back, I'll baptize him. I'd love to baptize him. Of course. And she goes, no, 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 no. He wants to be baptized at camp. And kind of mixed emotions, right? I was like, man, I would love to have baptized my son. But he was ready. He was ready. And he made a decision. He, when, he said, Dad, I was at camp, and I was feeling so close to God. And when they asked, who wants to be baptized? Now, we know baptism doesn't save you, but it's taking a public stand for a decision you've made. And Brady said, my hand went up. I want to be baptized. And last Friday, we had this celebration of Brady's decision to take a public stand of following Jesus Christ, to make that a big deal. So often, we can get so excited about an A that our kids get in one of their classes, but never get excited or thank them for what we see God doing in their lives. See, Colossians 3.17 says this, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There was a couple that impacted the life of Paul. There was one pastor I heard speaking. He said, well, throughout the word of God, you never see a God commanding people or an example of anyone in God thanking other people. And I'm like, that's not right. I'm sure there's a place. And I found in Romans 16, greet Priscilla and Aquila, Paul wrote, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risked their necks for my life to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. See, it's a good thing to give thanks to one another, isn't it? In your family, in your marriage, be a thankful person. When you see people serving you at the church or anywhere in life, have the strength to say thank you. There's so many people who serve here at Riverview behind the scenes that if you see that, to be able to say, hey, thank you for serving me. Maybe there's someone who impacted your life and changed your life that you need to call today and just say, you know what? You came to my mind at church today. I just want to call and say, thank you for changing my life. Thank you for what you did in my life. Once they pick their jaws up from the floor, shocked that anyone would thank them, they will probably say, hey, thank you so much. That meant so much. Thank you for saying thank you. One out of ten, that's probably a good percentage of what I give thanks for, and I need to do better. I need to do better. 
to see God's blessings all around me, to see how people are used by God to bless me. Reminds me of the story of a man lost in the woods. He was alone and frightened. It was getting dark, and he, he was telling his friend, I called out to God, God save me. And the friend said, well, did God save you? What happened? He said, no, no, before God could save me, all of a sudden out of nowhere, this guy showed up and led me out of the forest. Totally blind to the blessings of God, amen? Totally blind that God works in mysterious ways throughout our lives, using different people to change us and shape us and mold us. So as I close, I want to give you some practical tips uh, this, this morning. Find moments throughout the day to thank God who he is and what he's done in your life. Salvation, number one, that he died on the cross for you. Like Jesus said, greater love has no one than this someone laid down his life for his friends and you are my friends have you thanked him for that every day thanking him Lord just maybe a moment when you're driving Lord thanks you've changed me thanks for being with me thanks for who you are here's another thing be intentional about thanking those who blessed you husbands thank your wives strengthen your marriage by being a thankful husband wives thank your husbands Strengthen your marriage by being thankful. Parents, thank your kids or, or grandparents, your grandkids for the positive changes you see in their lives. Be thankful to those you observe who have blessed others. Let's see people serving the youth in our youth group. Hey, you're great with those junior hires. Thank you for serving the Lord in our junior high group. Then lastly, tell others about those who deserve thanks. How do people hear about Prissa and Aquila that risked their lives for Paul? Paul told them, hey, these people risked their lives for me. Thank them. And lastly, this, thanks living applies an attitude of gratitude in all circumstances. It's not, doesn't pick and choose. Only when God's doing life my way will I be thankful. No, we find some way to thank God in all circumstances. It doesn't mean you thank God for cancer. That's not what I'm talking about. But you can thank God that he's with you in the battle over cancer, that he never leaves you, that there is a God who does love you in the midst of the battles that we face. So church, let's be thankful. Let's live thankful lives. Let's be like that one leper who has the strength and humility to humble himself and fall at Jesus' feet and say, thank you. Amen, church? Amen. Let's pray together. As your heads are bowed today, my prayer would be that each one of you would be saying, God, how can I be better? I haven't, maybe I haven't been a thankful person like I should. There's some people I need to thank just to encourage them and build them up. I need to thank you, God, for your many blessings in my life. I've ignored them. 